Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo Wahoo. Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show, along with Virginia State Sports Hall of Famer, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. I'm your host, Scott Ratcliffe. And Hootie, there's a lot to talk about as the regular season begins to wind down. February is almost out the door. March Madness is right around the corner. And we'll go over the Virginia men's basketball team's chances of making the big dance and what lies ahead leading up to the ACC tournament in a few weeks. Uh, UVA was taken behind the old woodshed in Blacksburg on Monday night, and we'll briefly discuss what went wrong in that one. And we'll also look ahead to Saturday. It's the biggest game of the year up to this point for the Cavaliers as first place in number 10 North Carolina comes to town for a nationally televised 4 p.m. tip-off at John Paul Jones Arena. Can the Hoos bounce back? And Hootie, uh, the Hoos and Hokies were in a tight back-and-forth contest throughout about 10 minutes of the first half of Monday night's game. And then Virginia went absolutely ice cold for the remainder of the half. And Tech took over, going on a 20 to nothing run over a stretch of about nine minutes where UVA seemingly couldn't throw the beach ball into the ocean. I believe they were about 0 for 8. 0 for 9 from the field across that span. Uh, Tony Bennett called the loss a step backwards. And a matter of fact, let's hear what he had to say in his postgame comments. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a quick turnaround from obviously the um, the Wake game. Uh, we struggled offensively against Wake, um, but, but played real hard defensively. And obviously our crowd uh, ignited us and knew how challenging this place is to play and um, how good Virginia Tech is at home and their their experience and their talent. Um, but, um, you know, again, we just, maybe it was like 12 to 14 or whatever it was, and then they just took off and um, they were very, they guarded us very well. They were very physical. We didn't handle that physicality well. Um, and then um, we were behind in every way, shape, and form on the defensive end. So they thoroughly outplayed us, and that's, you know, that's, that's a tough way to go down. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, when you, when you look at it and you say, look, we, we're on a fine line, and if we're not, if we're not right, um, separation can occur. That's happened to us this year a few times. Um, it happened to us, you know, you'd hope at this stage um, that it wouldn't, but it did. And it's a credit to how well Virginia Tech played, but also that uh, we, we didn't have the right, the right, uh, the right mindset or the ability to, to withstand their runs to try to climb back in. And that's where, you know, your soundness is really challenged and, you know, you got you got to compete. It was physical and um, the aggressor went, they were the aggressors and they certainly dominated us in pretty much all areas. And Hootie, we know Castle Coliseum can be intimidating and has given Bennett's team's fits, particularly over the past few seasons. But just what happened to the offense and the defense for that matter on Monday night? Well, I think a number of things actually led to that lopsided defeat. Um, one, I think you, you got to hand Mike Young, the Virginia Tech coach, a lot of credit. I think he had a, a good game plan. I think he looked at some of the blueprints that people used previously when Virginia lost some games rather one-sidedly earlier in the season when they successfully essentially cut off the head of the snake. They guarded 
Reese Beekman and Isaac McNeely really hard. And if you take those two away and nobody else, I mean, who else is going to beat you on this team, especially if Jake Rove's shot is not falling, which it wasn't. And um, he also demanded from his inside players that they had to win the paint because in the previous matchup in Charlottesville several weeks ago, about a little over a month ago, uh, Virginia won the battle in the paint, I think 36 to 20. Uh, Jordan Miner and Blake Buchanan combined for 24 points in that game. And as Young said after the game, that's a matchup we cannot afford to lose. It can't even be a toss-up. We have to win it if we want to win the game, and they certainly did. They shut down uh, Miner and Buchanan pretty much in the paint. They prevented McNeely from killing them from the perimeter, and uh, that sort of allowed them to shut off some of the driving lanes that made Bigman less effective. And when the, again, when those two guys are not playing their normal game, it impacts the rest of the team, particularly if Virginia's not getting anything in the paint from Miner and Buchanan. So, um, I mean, who else is going to beat you? Uh, Dunn uh, a lot of times demand uh, relies on uh, getting stickbacks or getting fed. Uh, have backdoor passes or alley-oops or whatever from a driving Beekman or one of the one of his teammates who drives the basketball. That wasn't happening because they couldn't spread the floor. Um, people are essentially not really guarding Rody when the ball's in his hands because they don't feel like that he's going to be consistent enough with a shot to hurt them. And... They're doing that somewhat to Dunn as well because uh, his scoring away from close in, um, I won't say it's non-existent, but it, it certainly hasn't been fruitful of late. So um, that's that's essentially how Virginia lost. They've lost six games this season by 15 or more points, which is the most ever uh, in Tony Bennett's uh years here, so at least since 2012. Uh, it happened four times in 2022, but it's never happened more than two times in a season in all those other seasons. So this is six times already. And you can kind of Xerox how teams have done it. They've essentially shut down Beekman and McNeely and let the other Virginia guys beat them, and they haven't been able to do that. So – I think that was um, Mike Young's game plan, which was carried out to near perfection. Um, I don't think the Hokies are as bad a basketball team as some people portray them to be. Uh, certainly, they're a different animal at home where they're 12 and 2, uh, almost unbeatable. And, uh, you know, they were trying to get a measure of revenge from an earlier loss to their their main rival um, earlier, uh, again, in mid-January. So, 
you know, where Virginia looks at North Carolina and Duke and Virginia Tech as rivals primarily more in basketball, Carolina and Duke, than they do Tech. I think Tech sees Virginia as their main rival, and they get really fired up for this series. So um, I I know that Tony Bennett felt like that they were walking into an ambush down there, and and they were. Virginia's lost four times in a row at Castle Coliseum, and – if you look back and examine it from the get-go, Virginia Tech was very physical, very aggressive, and similarly to some of the other lopsided losses Virginia's had, those teams used the same method, and Virginia did not respond well. They were a little soft and got hit in the mouth and, and didn't punch back. So uh, I'm sure those are things – all things that Tony Bennett addressed in practice this week leading up to this coming Saturday's game, home game against North Carolina, as you mentioned, a huge game. Uh, and Carolina is going to come in here and try to do the same thing. And if Virginia lets them, then uh, they're asking for a world of trouble. You're right about that. Uh, quickly looking at Monday's box score, and then we'll move on to Carolina. It wasn't even Tech's usual suspects, Sean Padula and Hunter Couture, that, that did all the damage. They combined for just 14 points on 4 of 14 shooting and, and 2 of 8 from downtown. I think if you had told to- Coach Bennett that those two would be limited to 14 points, he's going to like his chances. Uh, but it was the uh, supporting cast of Lynn Kidd, Robbie Barron, Tyler Nickel, and uh, I honestly don't know how to pronounce his first name, but Poteet who really carried the load. Uh, Kid and Barron were perfect from the field, nine for nine combined, as the Hokies were just getting pretty much whatever they wanted time and time again against the pack line. Uh, they shot 51% on the night, 27 for 53, and 35% from three-point land, uh, eight for 23. The Cavaliers, meanwhile, 33% on the night, 17 for 52 from the field, 17% from three, only two for 12. Actually, a little improvement from the free throw line. And, of course, I guess uh, anything is an improvement from the free throw line from the the prior outing. Uh, five for seven for 50 or 70, 71%, sorry. So a little bit, little bit better from the stripe. Uh, they were out-rebounded 32-28 and committed 12 turnovers that translated into 24 points on the other end. And that was probably the biggest stat of the night there. Um, Isaac McNeely, the only player in double figures with 11. And as you mentioned, the Hoos trailed by as many as 36 in that one, lost by 34, the largest margin of defeat in the series in a long time. And like you said, the sixth time this season that the Cavaliers have been beaten by 15 or more. Um, still, the Who's are, are still listed among Joe Lenardi's 68 tournament teams should there be any concern over that number of lopsided losses. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you got to go all the way back to 1961 for Virginia to find a worse Virginia loss to Virginia Tech, and that's that's when they weren't even known as Virginia Tech. They were the VPI gobblers back then. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it's been uh, – most people weren't even – that watched that game probably weren't even born uh, – at that time, so um, uh, yeah, moving on to the bracketology, uh, uh, you know, Virginia is a number nine seed, and 
<clears throat> Lenardi's bracketology, the last I saw, last night, and number 10 in uh, CBS's, uh, I think Jerry Palm does theirs. Um, so, and they were, they were both uh, forecast to be in the Midwest region. So, um, I, you know, I, I think uh, they're playing with fire right now. They... I, th I think you know um, they have four games left against Carolina. Then they have, I think, is what is a trap game at Boston College early next week. Uh, Nine o'clock game at Chestnut Hill, which there's probably not going to be a whole lot of interest in that game. I wouldn't think um, may not be highly attended. Uh, the BC crowds tend to not be that great or that vocal. Um, it could be a game where Virginia just assumes that they're going to go in and win, and that would be a huge mistake. Uh, you don't bring your A game, particularly when you're walking a fine line like Virginia, and you you could easily get beat. Uh, then they got to go to Duke uh, at Cameron, where uh, you know not many teams are successful, and. Then they close it out at home against Georgia Tech. So uh, even beating Georgia Tech and BC is not going to do much for the tournament resume. Uh, I think their best chance to make an impression on the committee at this point is beating Carolina, <coughs> excuse me, here on Saturday. Uh, and we'll get into that in a, in a little bit, but uh, Carolina has some um, hasn't struggled anywhere in the ACC like they've struggled here uh, in recent years. So uh, th there's a strong chance that this team, if it gets its act together this week in practice, that uh, it can give the Tar Heels a, a, a lot of a lot of trouble. Um, so you know, I, you know, I, I think should they lose the Carolina game, they're again, I th they might squeeze in. But um, they certainly can't afford to lose any more games. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be favored to lose at Duke uh, next week. So uh, if you lose to Carolina and Duke, uh, you, you could find yourself on the bubble again or or maybe even out of the field. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next two weeks, the final two weeks of the season. And like you said, you can make a big statement on Saturday and entering the weekend, Carolina is tied with Duke for first in the conference at 12 and three with UVA sitting alone in third, a game and a half back at 11 and five. Uh, UNC defeated the Blue Devils uh, earlier in their first meeting of the season. So the heels have the upper hand, so to speak, as we head down the home stretch. And Hootie, Carolina used to dominate the Cavaliers when I was growing up. Like a win over Carolina in basketball was about as rare as, say, a win over Tech in football these days. It didn't happen often. Uh, the in, in the last 25 years or so, matter of fact, since January of 99, Carolina 23, UVA 22 in the series. And UVA is 7-3 and three in the last 10 meetings. Like you mentioned, Carolina hasn't won a game in Charlottesville in a long time been since February 25th, 2012. Um, UVA starting five on that day. Bub Evans, Sammy Zaglinski, some guy named Joe Harris, uh, Keel Mitchell, and Mike Scott 
with uh, some other guy named Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. That's the last time UNC won here. Uh, so the Heels, they've lost eight in a row at JPJ. And uh, we're going to take a uh, just a quick break, and we'll break down the Tar Heels roster on the other side, and we'll talk about what the Cavaliers must do to make it nine in a row. So stick around. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family-owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big-time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching on my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. We're back on the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. And Hootie, when you talk about UNC, Armando Baycott is obviously the, the name most people associate with the Tar Heels. He's still in Chapel Hill in his fifth year down there. Uh, RJ Davis, we'll talk about those guys and their impact more in a moment. But it's the other guys around them who have helped keep Carolina top of the league standings all year long. Head coach Hubert Davis retooled in the offseason and brought in a handful of impact transfers, notably Harrison Ingram from Stanford and Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame, along with freshman point guard Elliot Cadeau. And the Heels have been ranked as high as number three in the country this season with an overall record coming in Saturday of 20 and 6. They're 6 and 2 in true road games this season, and they're 5 and 2 in games against ranked opponents. However, Hootie, they are three and three in their last six. They've lost two of their last four games, uh, three of their last six. They lost by one at Georgia Tech on January 30th, then at home against Clemson a few weeks back, and then at Syracuse last week. So they clearly are beatable. Um, They then polished Virginia Tech by 15 in their last outing last weekend in Chapel Hill, and they've had a week off to prepare for the Hoos. Uh, They're the highest scoring team in the conference at 82.9 points per game. They're winning by an average margin of 11.4 points per game. UVA, by contrast, has the best scoring defense in the league, obviously. They're allowing just 58.6 a game. Uh, Both schools are are, have a, a solid defense. They're in the top three in field goal percentage defense and three point per uh, field goal percentage defense. Carolina is also the best rebounding squad in the ACC, hauling in over 41 a game, while the Hoos are dead last in the ACC, 32.3 a game. Carolina is first in rebounding margin, plus seven. UVA is 12th at minus 1.5. You look at Davis, he leads the ACC in scoring at 21.3 points per game. He's second in the conference in threes per game at 3.15. He's hitting him at a 41% clip just behind Pitts' Blake Henson, and we saw what he could do. Um, 
I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who's a big Carolina supporter, and he pointed out that teams have been putting bigger guards on RJ Davis, and that's making him work harder to get open. And as a result, his percentages have fallen off over that span, and teams are making Ryan and Ingram beat them from the outside. Uh, we expect Reese Beekman to get the bulk of the defensive assignment there. Uh, maybe you throw Dante Harris on uh, Elliot Cadeau at the one, and you put Beekman on Davis at the two. And we know how well that Beekman has held some premier scoring guards in check. So that will obviously be a big key for the Cavaliers, Hootie. Yeah, I would suspect that that Reese Bigman will be will start on him and and try to keep him from causing a lot of damage. Um, they could even use Ryan Dunn on him at times, I guess, because he's even bigger uh, to try to uh, prevent him from getting shots up. But uh, I, I'm sure that'll be one of the main uh, points of emphasis for Virginia's defense. And another will be trying to figure out how to contain Baycott down inside. Um, there's been games where Baycott has been uncontrollable down in the paint, uh, and there's been times when Virginia has totally negated his presence. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm assuming they'll go back to the traditional pack line philosophy of doubling the post. There's, I don't think there's any way that Miner or Buchanan – can handle him man-to-man, so I'm sure they'll double uh, the post with uh, Dunn or Groves or whoever else is in there any time that the ball's thrown inside to Baycott. Uh, you can't let that guy beat you, and that's one of the main points of the pack line to begin with is never let a, an opposing postman beat you. Uh, and, and that certainly will be a challenge because Baycott is a guy capable of of uh, taking over a game and controlling it if you can't contain him. And uh, he's has tons of experience. He's a big guy. Um, I, he's too much for Buchanan to take on because Buchanan's not physically ready for that yet. Um, and Miner, I'm not sure – has the quickness that Baycott has to to handle him one on one either. So uh, I think they'll have to double him, and uh, Reese will have to try to contain Davis. And then it, again, uh, it's up to the other guys on the Carolina squad to beat Virginia. And I'm, I imagine Hubert Davis will copycat the same thing that Mike Young and some of the other coaches have done this year, and try to shut down Beekman and. McNeely and let the other Virginia players beat him. So there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, on Dunn and Groves and some of the other guys to produce points in this game, uh, which should be a low-scoring game. Uh, I, th I think uh, Tony's going to have to have the game in the in the 50s uh, in order in order to pull it off. And uh, and score a big uh, score a big win over the best team that Virginia's faced this year. Yeah, and uh, Baycott he's averaging he's not putting up the numbers that we've that we're accustomed to seeing in the previous years, but he is still averaging a double double. He's fourteen point six a game points and ten point three rebounds, which is 
best in the ACC, as we mentioned. He has 13 double-doubles, second only to Norchad O'Meara of Miami, who has 14. And it's not just Baycott, really. It's the aforementioned Harrison Ingram is also third on that list with nine double-doubles. We've seen the Who's get bullied in the interior in a handful of games this season, like you mentioned. Baycott has proven over the years that you can throw the kitchen sink at him and he's still capable of getting, you know, 20 points, 15 rebounds or so on a good night. Uh, He's posted five straight double-doubles, as a matter of fact. He scored 24 or more in three of those. And in the last outing, he went for 25 and 12 against the Hokies on 11 of 16 shooting. And, you know, he can be really amazing when he wants to be, but uh, my friend was... Uh, my Carolina friend was telling me a lot of times his effort has been inconsistent this year when he's not getting the ball a lot. And, you know, as we mentioned, uh, Ingram, he's averaging 12 and nine a game. He's uh, six foot seven, 235 pounds. Uh, so what did the, what the Cavaliers need to do not only to contain Baycott, but also Ingram, he's posted double figure scoring in five straight games and 10 of his last 11 and he has had 10 or more rebounds in 10 of his last 14 games. It'll be a challenge. I imagine Ryan Dunn will draw him defensively, most likely. Uh, he, Dunn is, can guard uh, just about any position on the floor and um, has great, as we know, great length, great reach, great shot-blocking ability. So, um It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I, I don't know how. I assume Ingram and Baycott play a lot together. Uh, so uh, if Dunn is is guarding Ingram and they try to double the post anytime Baycott gets the ball, um, I don't know this, if that means another guard is going to have to slough off down inside and try to strip the ball. Um and or try to front him uh, and minor be behind him. It's going to be interesting to see how Virginia attacks that defensively because uh, that's a load inside having to stop two guys that are capable of putting up those kind of numbers. Um, I, you know, the, the beauty of it for both teams really is that Virginia after Monday night's debacle they they've had nothing else to work on this week but themselves and carolina and i know hubert davis told us monday that he's gonna they carolina's been off all week since they beat the Hokies last saturday uh he told us monday that he is going to spend or plan to spend this entire week on carolina on making carolina a better basketball team so uh a lot of focus by Carolina on Carolina, a lot of focus by Virginia on Virginia to try to get things right in both those camps and then to worry about the other team uh, at the end of the week. I'm sure uh, the hay is probably in the barn right now in terms of their game plans, and uh, they'll probably just do uh, some walkthroughs tomorrow and to make sure that everything's everybody's on the same page. And we'll talk a little about the three point shot uh, from the Tar Heels aside from Davis, as we mentioned, Ingram and Ryan are the two other three point weapons to keep an eye on. 
Davis, uh, 82 for 200 from beyond the arc this season. Uh, that's 41%, as we mentioned. After that, it's Ingram. He's made 48, uh, 48 of 118, also 41%. And then Cormac Ryan, 45 for 142 uh, for 32%. The next highest total on the team is Seth Trimble with just nine made triples on the season. So it's really just those three guys to really kind of focus on on, on the perimeter. And their win against the Hokies, uh, Ryan knocked down four threes and had 16 points. The game before that, he had four threes and 18 points. So that's another guy you really got to keep an eye on. Uh, Davis had three triples and 20 points in that game. Ingram was 0 for 4 from downtown, but but he finished with 12 points and 17 rebounds. So um, in those last three losses from three-point land for the for UNC, they were 29%, 33%, 44%. So, you know, even if even when they're losing games, they're still hitting threes. So it's something you've got to keep an eye on. And um, another thing to, to note is that Hubert's uh, – he's, he's leaning on the starters heavily. Um only Seth Tremble, Jalen Washington, and Jalen Withers are getting really any minutes off the bench regularly, and they're only averaging about 10 each. So he's sticking with the starters for the most part. And um, like you said, we, we were expecting like a low-scoring game. Wake came in here averaging 80 points a game and was held to 47. Uh, the spread won't be revealed until Friday afternoon, but our good friend Anthony Esposito, who's a sports handicapper with crackwins.com, he's predicting it to be around a pick 'em. So we're expecting a tight matchup. Um, so just how do you see this one playing out, Hootie? I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I, you know, Virginia's going to have to be the aggressor early. They, they can't let – Carolina established uh, control of the game early, like Virginia Tech did. They 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 can't allow that to happen. Um, they need somebody to step up and help with the scoring. Primarily, Jake Groves and Ryan Dunn are going to have to play maybe their best game of the year because uh, McNeely and Bigman are probably not going to be able to take control of the game the way they have in, in some other contests in the past. Carolina's going to focus on them. So uh, I think Groves and and Dunn are going to have to be at their best. And uh, the f- big focus is going to be on defense. It, Tony Bennett said, if we're not right, then we're very susceptible. And we've seen what happens when they're not right. They're walking a very thin line. When they are right, I mean, I don't care who you are. You come into this building like Miami and Wake Forest did, both averaging 80 points a game or more, just like Carolina will be coming in Saturday, and you can't score 50. Uh, Carolina knows all about that. They went uh, four games in a row during that eight-game span you talked about where they lost eight in a row here and didn't score 50 points. So um, Virginia's defense has to be right from the very beginning and has to stay that way. But they also have to respond to the physicality and be uh, just as physical, if not more physical, than Carolina. And they've got to get points. 
maybe from people that they normally don't get a lot of points from in order to win this game because I think it's going to be tight. And uh, I know I know uh, Hubert Davis said that his game plan is to get the ball in the paint as much as possible, whether that's to Baycott or to Ingram or for their guards to penetrate and score or dish off down in the paint. But they're going to be attacking the paint relentlessly from the get-go. And they were also wanting to draw fouls because they're a good free-throw shooting team. And then uh, we've seen this a lot, not just this year, but throughout the years. A lot of ACC games go down to the wire, and you need every free throw you can get. And that's something that Virginia's going to have to uh, really batten down the hatches on this week coming into this game. They can't afford another poor free throw shooting game uh, against the Tar Heels because that, that could cost them that could cost them the game. It could cost them a lot more than just the game if they are in a tight one and came back a free throw. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just live at the free throw line and practice this week. Um, we're going to pause one more time to hear from our sponsor, the Good Feet Store, and then we'll look ahead to tourney time. It's almost here. Stay tuned. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Good Feet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now Class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. We're back on The Jerry Ratcliffe Show and looking ahead the remainder of the regular season schedule. We, we went over it and we'll go over it one more time. We'll close out, Virginia will close out the month of February with a road trip to Chestnut Hill to take on Boston College on Wednesday the 28th at 9 p.m. Then it's on to March. Yet another huge one at Cameron Indoor next Saturday, the second at 6 p.m. on ESPN, as we mentioned. And the Hoos will then have a week off to prepare for senior night and the regular season finale against Georgia Tech on March 9th. Then it's on to the ACC tournament, and it's in Washington, D.C. this season. From March 12th, it's a Tuesday, through Saturday the 16th. So there are still a few opportunities for Virginia to build a tournament resume and for the Who's to lock down one of those first round buys uh, in D.C. going into Saturday. The Cavaliers are, like we mentioned, hold a, a game and a half lead over fourth place Wake Forest at nine and six and then a two and a half game lead over four teams that are tied for fifth at eight and seven in the conference. That would be Clemson, Pitt, NC State, and Florida State with Syracuse in ninth at eight and eight. And the Hokies are in 10th at seven and eight currently. The odds to win the ACC regular season title as of now, UNC minus 200, Duke plus 160, UVA at plus 1500. So if you're a betting man and you got faith in the Cavaliers, <laughs> it's a... That, that would be a, a nice little payday there if if they could uh, emerge from the pack. Um, 
in terms of the NCAA tournament, like we said, Joe Lenardi's latest ESPN Bracketology came out earlier this week, and he has UVA as a nine seed in the Midwest, taking on eight seed Texas as of right now. Uh, one of four ACC schools he has in the dance, Carolina, a two seed, Duke, a three seed, Clemson, a five seed, and he has uh, Wake Forest currently listed with the first four out in his 68-team field and Pitt among the next four out. Um, in terms of net rankings, UVA is currently number 48 uh, through Wednesday's games with Carolina sitting at number 10. Duke at number 12. So those two right there, you know, resume builders, if you can pull them off. Clemson, a team that Virginia has defeated, 26th. Wake, 27th. Virginia Tech, 52. Pitt, 56. Uh, A couple non-conference opponents of note. Wisconsin is at 21. Florida, 29. Texas A&M, 49. Memphis slipped all the way down to 82. And Hootie, as it stands today, if you're on the committee, do you put the who's in and what do they need to do? Uh, we kind of went over it before, but what do they need to do over these last few weeks, including the tournament, to, to stamp that ticket? Oh, there's no question they're in right now, but they, they, they're, um, you know, the, the next four games are, are important because two of those are against two of the top 25 teams in the nation, the two top teams in the conference and two teams that everybody in college basketball identifies with in Carolina and Duke, any win over those two teams speaks volumes for your tournament resume, particularly this year. And I I think they've got to win one of those two games to, I'm not saying if they lose them both, they'll be out of the tournament, but they could be on find themselves on the bubble or uh, somewhere around the bubble should they lose them both. Um, with a net ranking of 48, that's going to – if you lose both those games, that's going to drop considerably. And um, you don't want to leave it up to somebody in a, in a hotel room behind closed doors trying to figure out whether you deserve to be in a tournament or not. You need to prove that you're in – so they, they, I think they need to beat Carolina or Duke, one of the two, to uh, assure themselves that they'll be playing in the tournament. If they lose them both, you're leaving it up to somebody else. So I think that's what they have to do. All right. And before we thank our sponsors and sign off, we wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Brian O'Connor and his 14th-ranked Cavalier baseball team. They're off to a 4-0 start after sweeping Hofstra over the weekend and blanking Old Dominion on Wednesday, 8-0. They've registered 50 runs in those four games, and they'll take their hot bats down to sunny Florida this weekend for the Jack's Jack's College Baseball Classic in Jacksonville, Florida. uh, Friday through Sunday, Um, the Hoos will face Wichita State Friday at 2 Eastern, then a big one against number 18, Iowa, on Saturday at 4 before wrapping up the event against Auburn on Sunday at 4. Uh, you can catch all three of those games at d1baseball.com as well as on WINA and the Virginia Sports Radio Network. Who do you got a chance to catch up with Coach O'Connor prior to the, the season opener? 
and he's now in his 21st season. Is that right here in Charlottesville? Yeah, it's hard to believe. We were sitting there talking uh, in the stadium that day, and he patted me on the shoulder, and he said, it's hard to believe that uh, we've known each other for 21 years and uh, had a great relationship like we've had and uh, that we've seen this baseball program completely transformed from a team where they were contemplating making it a club sport rather than a varsity sport uh, to a team that's been to five college world series and have one of the finest facilities in the country and great fan support um, produced so many major leaguers uh, and fantastic memories for the baseball community Um He's excited about the season. I, I think a lot of it will boil down to what, like it normally does, is how the pitching staffs, the pitching staff performs over the course of the season. Uh, they, I think they've, as they've shown, they've got plenty of offense. It'll be uh, fun to see what they do down in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm familiar with that stadium that's back where they used to have the ACC tournament back in the day, and. Um, I covered a few of those down there, and uh, a great a great venue for uh, any kind of a tournament. But uh, I, I think there's reason to be excited about this team, and uh, should be fun to watch uh, the rest of the season. Uh, it's, I, th- I think they're they're going to be really good. Yeah, even uh, without Kyle Teal and and Jake Eloff, I guess. You know, it's hard to replace those two, obviously, um, in the major leagues or working their way to the major leagues. Um, drafted back in a couple months ago. and But like you said, they've got the firepower to kind of, um, you know, have some guys step right in. Uh, other UVA athletics news, the women's basketball team will host Miami Thursday night before another tough challenge on the road this weekend at Louisville. Uh, the program honored coaching legend Debbie Ryan during this past weekend's game against Syracuse in what was an amazing emotional moment at JPJ. Um, Hootie, did you get a chance to to catch that or, or uh, see, um, you know, any comments from, from Coach Ryan after that? Well, I watched, I watched the uh, video of, of, of them honoring her, and it was um... – it was. I think it was a great thing for UVA to do. Debbie Ryan is an icon in women's basketball. Um, <clears throat> I, I had the uh, the pleasure of, of covering them. Um, th- those those three years in particular, when they went to three back to back Final Fours and and probably should have won the national championship. I thought they were the best team in the country, at least one of those years, if not two. Uh, against some incredible competition, but uh, I went to, uh, I guess, to Knoxville, New Orleans, and Los Angeles covering those Final Fours and uh, watching Dawn Staley play is still um, something that, I, that I'll never forget. Uh, she was just uh, incomparable uh, in my mind to uh, – in women's basketball, I, I mean, what she, what she has done has been remarkable. I still remember her being a, a, a really shy uh, individual who struggled to <laughs> open up in interviews and stuff like that. Now, now she, you you can't get Dawn to stop talking if you talk 
talk to her now, but uh, uh, she's what an incredible person she's turned out to be uh, as a coach and a player um, and just a leader in in the sport, kind of picking up where Debbie Ryan left off and sort of she's sort of the face of the sport, I think, right now. And um, But Debbie Ryan had a lot to do with that, and uh, as she has with many of her players over the years. And uh, she meant a lot to uh, sort of bringing women's basketball to the forefront uh, back before she got things going. Uh, A lot of people didn't pay much attention to women's basketball, but uh, now – it's on ESPN the highlights every night and uh, in uh, newspapers and, and other things across the country. So uh, she definitely had a major impact on uh, women's basketball, and she should be saluted uh, for all the contributions she has made. She's, she's a heck of a lady and um, uh, does a lot of good work for UVA uh, Cancer Center as well. So uh, hats off to her. Absolutely. And uh, another big note uh, in the world of UVA athletics, the ACC Swimming and Diving Championships being held this week in Greensboro. And UVA's Gretchen Walsh had herself a day on day two Wednesday. She set records in the 50 freestyle twice, uh, once in prelims and then the other in uh, again in the finals with a time of 2057 which is a new NCAA and American mark. She also became the first female to ever break 20 seconds in her leg of the 200 freestyle relay event. As the Virginia women's team with 552 points is firmly in first place after two days, well ahead of second place Louisville with 473.5. The Wahoo men's team is currently in sixth with three days remaining in that one. Um, Also this week, the ACC Indoor Track and Field Championships being held in Boston Thursday through Saturday. Uh, The wrestling team travels to Pitt Friday night to conclude the regular season as winter sports are drawing to a finish. Uh, Spring sports, meanwhile, just getting underway. We mentioned the baseball team. Uh, The UVA softball team will be playing its first games of the year at Palmer Park this weekend. The Who's uh, have competed in two tournaments so far on the road. Uh, they will host the Rawlings Classic Friday through Sunday. Uh, UVA will take on Delaware at 3.30 and Lehigh at 6 o'clock on Friday, then face Lehigh again on Saturday at 12.30 and Iowa State 3.30 before wrapping up on Sunday against Delaware again at 1 o'clock. Um, the number 15 Virginia women's lacrosse team is off to a 3-0 and start under new coach Sonia LaMonica. They have a big one at Klockner on Friday at 5 o'clock against number 8 UNC in the ACC opener. And then they will face Cornell in a neutral site game on Sunday in Maryland. The third-ranked men's lacrosse team hosts number 20 Ohio State at 1 o'clock at Klockner on Sunday. And a few other items we'd like to squeeze in. The 10th-ranked men's golf team finished fourth at the Watersound Collegiate Invitational this week. And the number seven men's 
tennis team fell against Ohio State in the national indoor semifinals at the ITA championships over the weekend. They will have a week off before hosting number three Wake Forest next Friday to start conference play, while the sixth-ranked women's tennis team kicks off ACC play this weekend at number 21 Notre Dame Friday and then at Louisville on Sunday. Also got spring football about to get underway, Hootie, and anything else you'd like to mention before we thank our sponsors? I just want to mention Gretchen Walsh again. I mean, what an incredible champion she is for Todd's uh, swimming team over there. I mean, they they have a true dynasty going right now, and if, if you want to see a true dynasty, go over and catch catch uh, the next home meet that they have. I mean, the the fact that she broke the American record twice in one day was – I mean that's mind blowing. Uh, in the fifty freestyle, she uh, had a time of twenty point seven seven in the morning, then went out that night in twenty point five seven seconds uh, to break the American record twice in one day. Well, I mean that's that's uh, just incredible stuff. You just don't ever see that, and uh, uh, they can't say enough good things about her and the rest of that team. Yeah, Kate Douglas, uh, Claire Curzon on the women's side, Alex Walsh, they are just absolutely loaded. Um, also, some some great swimmers on the men's side, too. Um, what do you have planned for um, the website leading up to Carolina and any other uh, items that you'd like to mention before we thank our sponsors and sign off? Well, we're just going to be – keeping close tabs on this Virginia-Carolina game. It's the biggest game of the year, as you mentioned, and uh, uh, incredible implications on, on what happens the rest of the way with this Virginia basketball team. Uh, they win that game, and, um, I mean, they, they can do they can go anywhere from there if they can win that game. And uh, we'll be focusing heavily on that through Saturday, and then we'll uh, – uh, be back with another podcast uh, soon afterward. But um, um, that's, again, that's Carolina, Virginia is always big, and this year it's bigger than usual. That's right. And a reminder of the Jerry and Jerry show, you can catch that every Tuesday at 10.15 on many platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, you can catch the podcast on really anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, you had Craig Littlepage as a guest recently. That was a very informative, interesting interview. Uh, if you have not caught that, you can find that on our website. And anything else? Yeah, Craig had a lot of great stories, and uh, we hope uh, we don't know if it's going to happen because um, he's also he's on the NIT selection committee. Um, so he may be retired, but he's still working pretty hard. Uh, we hope to have him back, uh, prior to the end of the season to, since he's been chairman of the NCAA tournament selection committee and, uh, not only the chairman, but was also a member of the committee prior to that. Um, we hope to have him on 
another Jerry and Jerry show and just go through the process of what it's like being a committee member locked away for five days in Indianapolis in hotels, in a hotel, uh, watching games, uh, trying to figure out seatings, uh, et cetera, and how to pick that 68 tournament field, um, what goes into it, and uh, how much do they rely on the analytics, how much do they rely on just what they see with their own eyes, particularly the guys with basketball backgrounds like Craig has, having been a former coach. Um, don't know if it'll work out, but we hope to have him back. And, and uh, then the beauty of that show uh, is that you, the viewers, are a big part of it with uh, interactions. It's a live show, and uh, we take uh, several of your questions throughout the, the uh, hour and 15 minutes that we normally go. So we're getting huge audiences from as many as – 14 and 15 states, uh, thousands and thousands of uh, viewers. Uh, every corner of the state of Virginia tunes in. So uh, we would welcome your participation and uh, feedback on the show. So uh, try to try to catch us next Tuesday morning at 10:15 on your favorite social media platform. Uh, and uh, if you don't have one. You can just click on our website uh, and uh, look look for it, and it, it'll be live on our Twitter account, our Facebook account. Yep, and also, yeah, in our podcast archives on our front page. Let's thank our sponsors, Hootie, and sign off. Yeah, well, if you see any of our sponsors or if you go into their stores, um, Please let them know that you appreciate their sponsorship of our podcast and uh, also our website. Uh, they allow us to bring this content to you for free. We don't uh, have subscribers like a lot of other websites do. Um, and it's all because of them. They they pay the bills and we appreciate it. So uh, the Aberdeen Barn, uh, you heard their commercial earlier in the show um virginia's finest steakhouse uh, it's getting to be that time of the year you you come in for a basketball game or another sporting event uh plan your trip uh, around going to the aberdeen barn and having a great meal great service great atmosphere great people uh food is outstanding and uh it's a tradition it's a wahoo tradition for sure uh, so go by and see Angela and Terry over there. Uh, the Good Feet Store in Stonefield, right across the street from the theater. Uh, it's a wonderful place. I was uh, had lunch today at another one of our sponsors, uh, The Villa. I'd ran into a friend of mine who's been having some plantar fasciitis problems, and uh, his orthopedic uh Doctors told him to go to the Good Feet store, get straightened out, and uh, believe me, they, they've got the arches. Uh, they specifically measure your foot and design arches right there for you to put. You can wear them out of the store. And um, I know because when, uh, when I slip on a pair of shoes and I'm on a run, and, and uh, I know immediately 
uh, in the first five steps whether I've got my uh, good feed arches in or not. So um, you can it makes a difference if you're having any kind of problem, uh, back pain, uh, hip, knee, any of that stuff, uh, foot pain for sure. Um, go by the Good Feet store, uh, and they will fix you up. And you, believe me, it'll make a difference in uh, in how you feel and, and a, a difference in your life. So, great people, great uh, great UVA uh, sponsors as well. And Roback, uh, America's fastest growing sportswear company, located right here in Charlottesville. Uh, they just, every time I turn around, their advertising is everywhere in a in the country. And um, they just keep coming out with uh, new products all the time. It's hard to keep up with. They've got so much great gear for you to, uh, to purchase. So uh, if you click on their ad on our website, it, not only will it show you their catalog, but if you order through that ad, uh, it helps us as well. You'll get a nice discount on your first order, and uh, I think you'll be happy with with what you get. So, uh, please, if you see any of those sponsors or or deal with them, uh, let them know how much you appreciate them sponsoring our programs. And just a quick mention for our uh, additional website sponsors as well: Blue Ridge Beverage, Foster Well. Um, Hannah Wheeler, First and Lasting Doors, uh, a company out of Pennsylvania that sponsors us, and Ragged Mountain Running Shop, as well as the Villa Diner, as you mentioned. And Vivachi. Also Vivachi, yes. Another great restaurant here in Charlottesville. They're located on Ivy Road. Yes. All right. Well, we hope you have enjoyed the podcast and to catch you on the other side of the North Carolina game. And hopefully we'll be talking about a win for Wahoo Nation.